Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You are listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has their life changed? What did the year 2010 bring them? And what has the last decade brought them? Today, my guest is Barnabas Piper. And in his words, 2010 started the most painful decade of his life. Barnabas and I talk about the dismantling that God had to take him through to take the long way through wrestling with his faith and what it has looked like walking through divorce as a Christian man. The topic of divorce is not always handled graciously in the church, and I hope that Barnabas' story will be an encouragement to you. I know that I learned so much in this conversation. I appreciate his humility and his vulnerability in this conversation. There are so many nuggets of truth, reminders of God's kindness and his pursuit of us, and that our identity should be built on and in Christ alone. Here is my conversation with Barnabas Piper. Hey, Barnabas, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be on with you. I am excited to have you on here. Now, I need to give a little bit of full disclosure. And you know this because I have put this on Instagram before. I'm a listener of your podcast, The Happy Rant. I appreciate your public admission of that. I don't know if, I mean, I feel like it's an admission because it feels like sort of a guilty pleasure podcast. (laughs) I have sent you messages before and there have been times, and I don't know who the other two guys are on the show. I have no idea. There have been times that I thought, how do these guys get to say this and they still <laughs> like work in ministry? And I've said that in a message you before. And so I listen to your show because it, it makes me laugh. I enjoy it. We have all been kind of pulled into the principal's office at one time or another for things we've <laughs> said on that show. So your question is a valid one. Sometimes we say some things that we get duly chastised for. Are you afraid of the principal's office anymore? Let's be honest. No, I've made a living out of going to the principal's (laughs) office since I was in kindergarten. So just it's old hat at this point. I love that. I love that so much. I remember I actually met you once before. And I don't know if you remember this. We crossed paths one time and I think it was at the Lifeway offices. Yeah, the old Lifeway offices, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The old like built in like what, 1820 or something. Yeah, those offices. (laughs) And I was doing a podcast recording and you set it up for me. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, I was in the, the weird sort of theater studio space. And I was helping get it set up. So yeah, I, I recall. And then is that the only time we've crossed paths? I feel like it is. And the I funny thing so. about that story is you set it all up and your last words to me were, just push this button when you're ready. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but I was interviewing Lisa Harper and like 12 minutes into the conversation, I was like, oh, I didn't push the button that Barnabas told me to push. And so yeah, I, we had to start over. If it makes you feel better. I think every podcast host has has done that at least once, if not, you know, seven times. I have lost audio on some great interviews that nobody will ever hear. So it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
introduce yourself to my listeners. Are you in the middle of job changes or just tell us what you're doing right now? No, fairly recent change. So I currently work at Emanuel Nashville. So the church that I've been a member at for a few years here, just on the west side of downtown Nashville. I'm the director for community. So kind of overseeing small groups, discipleship groups. And then in this weird time of pseudo online church, I'm also heavily involved in our communications and everything. But that I just moved on staff here last August. Prior to that, I was at Lifeway in book publishing and leadership development training and different things for about six years. So yeah, basically been in publishing and prior to ministry since college. That was That's kind of been my professional arc, which is not that interesting. I have written four books. My fourth one will come out in on the same day as your next one. We were discussing just a moment yep. ago. So mm-hmm. we'll, be, we'll be releasing books same day. I don't know if it's a competition or like we can help each other out in that. We'll make it a partnership instead. It's a partnership. There's no competition. Okay, cool. Yeah. No room for that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I co-host the Happy Rant podcast. And when I'm not doing those things, I hang out with my 14 and 11 year old daughters. And then I'm getting, uh, getting married in exactly a month from today, actually. So, so, so this show comes out July 10th. Will you be okay. married yet? No, two weeks after that. Okay. So end of end of July. And uh, so, yeah, lots of good things happening in life in this really weird, crazy season. And generally speaking, that's me. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Okay. So this is your last decade. So I want to go back 10 years. Yes. That's what you're doing now. And I'm sure we'll get to the conversation of how you never thought you would be a pastor. Um, <laughs> we'll just throw the obvious out. If someone hasn't figured out, your dad is a very well-known pastor and so I want to hear that journey and how that's taken you there. But And so if you yeah. need to go back a little bit when we talk about that, um, I'm sure that there are some some kind of things that would come up of why. My husband's a pastor's kid too. Mm-hmm. And so we're raising pastor's kids. You are like, it's just all of the things, you know, to be a pastor's kid is a whole nother thing that we're dealing with in life. But take me back 10 years. What did life look like for you then? So when you posed the idea of the last 10 years, I immediately said yes. And then I, about five seconds later, thought, whoa, what am I doing? It has been a wild 10 years for me. So 10 years ago, I was I was married. Uh, had my, my daughters were a toddler and a preschooler at the time. I was working in Christian publishing. We were living in the Chicago suburbs. And it was probably the beginning of the hardest decade of my life. Just right at... Cause right at the beginning of that decade. So very beginning of of 2010, I got fired from the job that I had for good reason. I'd just been dishonest with some of the company resources and mishandled things. And so I got fired. And so that was the beginning of my last 10 years. And to back up a little bit, I did grow up as a pastor's kid, grew up as as a believer from a young age, heavily involved in church. But there was always this just sort of hollow disconnect between my faith and a kind of a profound identity in Christ. I just lacked that. Mm-hmm. And that that hollow space just was something that I was kind of seeking to fill all the time, even up into my mid-20s, being married, being a dad. And that's where a lot of this sort of dishonesty and misguided intentions came about. So that all came to a head right at the beginning of my last decade, and which then kicked off a really profound time of God just sort of dismantling my my ego and myself of or a sense of self to the point where he could put it back together in a way that said no this is this is an identity in Christ 
These are the reasons you matter. Not all those other things that you thought. You don't have to be all those things that you were told you had to be growing up. Just to clarify, not by my parents, but by mostly outside forces. My parents are great. And so that was the beginning of that decade, which then, some, you know, so a time of pretty significant spiritual restoration, but also a time of things really beginning to struggle in my marriage or kind of things. Yeah, I'd say about five years after that was things are just sort of a, a decline as as my my now ex-wife really struggled with what happened there. And then kind of she, she went on a different spiritual journey as God was taking me one direction. She, she went a different direction. So we got, we got divorced a few years later. So that it was, it was a really pivotal time where God used it to change me in a profound way, but also led to some of the hardest years as well, all while being a, a parent of growing girls and who are amazing, but it was, you know, I'm I'm grateful they were young enough to not remember all of that yeah. in total detail. Yeah. You know, I think it's this kind of series that we've been doing. We talk about people having to look back. I feel like I say this every time because it just, it stands out when we have conversations mm-hmm. like I'm just having with you is there are so many things in our life that we look back on. And the fact that you can see God dismantling, God rebuilding, God doing this. When I would guess, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I would guess in the moment there was no, like, oh, this is awesome. This is dismantling. I love this finding my new identity in Christ. Like this probably feels like the crappiest time of your life. So when you look back on that, because there are listeners who are maybe in the middle of that, or maybe yeah. there are a couple of years or whatever. When you look back on that, what are the things that helped you stay in your faith? You know, you just, you mentioned your wife went a different way and you went this way. I'm always intrigued when people go through really difficult seasons. And, and I have no idea if you have any hurt from church experiences. I think we all do. I grew up in the church. Yeah. We've all got things. I'm always so intrigued to see people stay and hold tight and get stronger versus the opposite. What was it for you? Like what held you together? Yeah. The obvious answer, God, you know, all the things. <laughs> Give me some more. What, try to what avoid, held yeah, you together? I'll try to avoid the Sunday school answer. Yeah, I think it... It feels miraculous to me because by by any rational argument, you know, the, people have walked away from faith for a lot less. Yeah. So I was at a place where, especially during during that dismantling period, it was a lot of questions about why do I believe what I believe? What aspects of the faith that I was handed growing up are ones that are worth holding on to mm-hmm. and which ones can be set aside? Because there was such a theological framework and such a, there was a lot of just specific beliefs about application of scripture and things like that. And I, you know, and I just sort of owned it all prior to that without, without coming to the place of really resting in it and Mm -hmm. really believing it for myself. And so those questions really, it felt at points during that year. So 2010 really that of kind of looking into the abyss and going, I, if I walk away, that's what I'm walking into. So mm-hmm. I have the option of walking through just this slog of a mess of figuring out what it means to follow Jesus for real, or I walk away from it all. But that just looked so dark to me because something in what God was doing in my life made it clear that the way forward was through, mm-hmm. not to walk away. It's almost like where, you know, when Jesus asked, like, are you going to leave too? What are we going to go to? Like, where are we yeah. going to go? Exactly. It's almost like you were having was, that kind of a moment. Right. And I'd already tried what the world offered in terms of like, well, you can walk away from the Lord and sin in this way and mm-hmm. experiment with that. And I was like, those aren't better. It's not happier. It's not more fulfilling. And so 
you know, as you said, the answer was God, but it was God showing me that there's the way to, to wholeness was through all the mess, not, you know, trying to avoid it. And my entire life, just my mentality was always find the shortcut. That's what got me in trouble in the first place. Just find the shortcut, take the easiest route. And he was just steadfastly not going to let me do that. He was like, nope, you're going to take the long road with all the switchbacks up the steepest hill with a pack on your back. And that's what it's going to, that's what this is going to be because that's, that's how you arrive at, at a mountaintop of identity in Christ. That's yeah. how I needed to do it. That's mm-hmm. not prescriptive for everybody else. And so it was with some profoundly faithful friends and mm-hmm. leaders from, from the church that I was part of at the time who just wouldn't let me go. They just kept showing up and they kept being audaciously demanding of me to say, nope, you're going to do this. You're going to be in the word. I don't care if you like it. Just keep going back to it. And they just wouldn't give up. And so then I couldn't give up and God used it in a really significant way. Yeah. Often that's a a similarity that you hear in a lot of people's stories who are going through difficult times within their faith, especially, but other things as well is this, A, God wouldn't let me go. Like that sounds great. And I think if if you haven't ever experienced that, God wouldn't let me go. It can feel weird. Like that doesn't even make sense. What do you mean God wouldn't let you go? Like what what does that even mean? But if you've walked that, endured that, you know what that means. But even you saying, I had these friends who would not let me go. And I think that is something that the value of that in someone's life of having friends that are saying, we're going to stick this out with you. Those are things that are priceless. You know, that the friends would see you through that. I want you, we've had a a guest on our show before. Uh, She's a friend of mine. Her name's Jen, who walked through divorce as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, she, her, her conversation that had with, she had with me was, this is just not understood about how to talk about within church, you know? And so it's kind of this thing that no one knows what to say, how to deal with it. And you had to walk through this and you had to walk through this as a Christian. You had to walk through this in a little bit of the public eye, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about what that journey has been like over the past decade. Yeah, that, so my, my, I got divorced in 2016. So it was, it was a few years into this decade and, but the last, you know, like people don't get divorced at the drop of a hat, right? You know, it is never an instance, you know, it's, it's new news to whoever finds out, but it's really old news to the couple. Like it's been coming for a long time. And, and I don't say that callously just because that, that can mean a lot of different things. It can mean abuse. It can mean infidelity. It can mean just spiritual journeys going a different way. The classic, I fell out of love with you. It can, it can look like a lot of things, but it's always been a long time coming. And so that aspect of it means that in my mind, it has been the course of this decade that, that that's that story. But for most people that started in 2016 when, or early 2017, when they found out and it was terrifying. It was at every level terrifying Mm -hmm. because of the completely changing reality. I'd been married for 11 and a half years at that point. So all of life changed, you know, location changed, you know, to find a new home. I I wasn't sure I was working for uh, a Christian company at the time. And so I wasn't sure if it would have an effect on my employment and Mm -hmm. they were really gracious and understanding and just no, no issues. there. very supportive. I didn't know if it would affect friendships, you know, so many times there's people who take sides and, and things can get ugly. I didn't know what it looked like in the church context. At the time, I was part of a church that was, was just a massive mega church. And I don't use that term pejoratively. It just was like 7,000 people. So really, really big. 
and really disconnected. And so I was pretty isolated on the church front, didn't receive a lot of help. It was very different than when I went through things in 2010, where I had, yeah. I had church leaders who were just in my pocket, mm-hmm. in my business all the time yeah. in the most supportive way. This was really isolating in that way. But again, that was something that God used because it it's what ended up getting me to Emmanuel where I am now, which has been a, um, a really significantly healing um, place. And, and actually somebody, you know, well, uh, Kevin Peck was the, was the kick in the butt I needed to come to Emmanuel because he mm-hmm. knew our pastor at the time, Ray Orland. Yeah. He knew that I was reluctant to come to Emmanuel. And then he basically just sort of verbally grabbed me by the collar and was like, get over yourself and just go. And it was, it was the right move. So he deserves, he deserves praise for that. It sounds like something Kevin would do. So he, yeah. he did it well. Yes. But so hard to figure out how to, how to talk about it. It's a really difficult, weird thing to say I'm divorced, you know, for the, for the first, I mean, to the, even now a month away from getting remarried, but I'm still divorced. Like that's the reality that hasn't yeah. changed. And so there's this, it's just a weird thing to say. There's sort of a, it feels a little bit shameful every time, mm. I guess, not like the guilty sort of shame, but just sort of the, it's a label, you know, mm. and it's a label that nobody is dying to, to carry with them yeah. within the church. I think that the most hurtful things um, are, are the propensity of people to try to, to be judge and jury, you know, to figure out who bears what percentage of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's a not a very empathetic stance yeah. and it's not a seeking to understand stance as much as it is a, it's, it really, it feels judicial much yeah. and then potentially threatening, you know, cause what mm-hmm. if they think that I'm the guilty party? Yeah. And, but in the, in the conservative Christian church, that tends to be it. Like, is it a justified divorce? Right. Which is not a human response. That's mm. not dealing with the people involved. It's dealing with the the, the facts of the matter. And it's, it's yeah. a valid question if you're hiring somebody to, to work at your church, for example. Like, yeah. You should probably know the story in that way. But if you're in community with somebody, you need to know pain. You need to know sorrow. You need to know yeah, sin from a, a confession and restoration standpoint. You need to know ongoing struggles. You need to know loneliness. Like Those are all wrapped up in this in a really ongoing daily way that's it's difficult to put into words because you go from life being defined by union to another person to life mm-hmm. being broken in half mm-hmm. and it's it's uh it's an amputation of sorts and so i think that aspect was the one that that i struggled with when it came up and i was so grateful for the the reverse when people were understanding and were gracious and were just you know they they showed a genuine Christ-like love of, of me and especially of my kids mm. and just no stigma with yeah. it as much as just you are who you are. And, yeah. and so we'll be, we'll build a relationship with you. And yeah. And then I think the last thing that comes to mind is just, I think it's so people need to feel free to ask questions. You know, it's, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, but if people don't ask questions about it, then it's a massive part of my story that simply doesn't ever enter into a relationship. Yeah. Or it's also up to their own interpretation as to right. how they want to yeah, define it. It would be so difficult to understand somebody if you're like, okay, I knew you used to be married and now you're not and now you're here and we're friends, but I'm just going to pretend that that never existed. Well, 
you've missed a significant part of how they got to where they are, who God is turning them into, what mistakes they made or were made against them, what pain they carry, what scars they have, all of which are really significant in a church community context because it should be built on on honesty and then restoration in the gospel, which you can't have if you don't know what people are going through. So yeah. you have to create a context where questions are safe, yeah. but then ask them anyway. Like yeah. just... And it can be very open-ended, like, hey, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but do you mind telling me a little bit of your story? Mm -hmm. Kind of like what you've done here. You just sort of left it up to me, Mm -hmm. and I can share what I want to share. And that's a burden relief for people who have been divorced because it's a, it just, it takes that sort of 800-pound gorilla of, I know this is there, but we're just not going to talk about it and just dismisses it because now, now we know. Now, Now we're on the same page. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you said. I think my everything you said was beautiful. One of my favorite things is how when we become judge and jury, we miss the emotions of someone. And so obviously there are places and people who would need to know those type of things. Um, But as community, as friends... I'm not here to to judge you, but I'm here to you know love you and be your friend. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And I think that's important. And I think that that is where you could correct me if I'm wrong. I would feel is where people within the church don't know how to do that very well around the subject of divorce. Yeah, I think that's completely true. I think that there's a, it is much easier to be relationally and emotionally disengaged and just deal with the facts of the matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, at the risk of, at the risk of being controversial, we do this all the time with incidents of race. Anytime there is a, an, an instance of police violence against a minority, the most comfortable way for us to respond is the facts of the matter, not dealing in the pain of the victim or the community that has been hurt. Right. And we do the same thing when it comes to instances of, of divorce, where it's a lot easier to look at who did what wrong, mm-hmm. and then how do we view the, the people in terms of guilt or innocence, instead of man, that must, that must have really hurt. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. And, and usually in, in issues of divorce, it's, I mean, it's just not that clean cut. Like I could, I could lay out for you all of the things that happened in my marriage and let you decide, but who wins? Right. I think we're all losers when that happens. There's an issue. There, there's such an instance of this is a thing that was supposed to be two people in a covenant before the Lord. And when it breaks, it's God's business. And there's a, there's so much of it that just can't be judged or responded to by anybody outside of the situation. And, you know, there are overt sins that need to be responded to dealt with whatever, but for the most part, it just, it only muddies the waters and it, and it probably diminishes relationship to really get into that in most cases. Mm. That's good. I'm, I'm grateful for you being willing to talk about it. And I feel like I don't even need to say that because I think your whole point is, Hey, we have to talk about it or else (laughs) you don't know me. Okay, so I want to talk about the fact that you are pretty soon, if not next month, going to be ordained at your church Yes, as a pastor. Did you ever imagine, was there ever a day that you thought, <laughs> I'm going to be Pastor Piper, or I don't know what people oh, call man. you, that we don't call pastor our pastors Piper. that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not yet stomached the idea of being called pastor anything. That sounds so... You know, it's like when you're in your 20s and some teen calls you Mister, and you're like, "Nope, that's my dad." That's, that's, right. that's how I feel about. Yeah. That's how I feel about uh, pastor. It's like, no, that's my dad. I'm not yeah. pastor anything. There was a time when I was a kid, and then maybe in college, where I thought I would pursue ministry, but I always kind of assumed it would be something more 
maybe youth ministry, maybe missions, maybe sports ministry, maybe something, but not on staff at a church in a pastoral role. That just was not, I don't know that I shook my fist at it so much, but it was, I was just like, nope, that's not me. I'm not going to do it. And even now I'm kind of like, it's still not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of viewing pastors as stereotypes. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that version. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has been a, I think it, the two most surprising things to happen in the last year are meeting my fiance and feeling the profound sense that this is the direction God has for me. And both of those are completely life-changing. They're both happening within about a month of each other. And they're both amazing. One of them is amazing for all of the obvious reasons. And the other one is amazing because I just would I just wouldn't have expected that God would have put me in a position to serve a church in this way. Yeah. Specifically not the church that like has has been so instrumental in my life being restored and rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's I uh, I kind of just I marvel at it more than anything because I don't it doesn't make any sense. You know, I went from you know managing two different teams at Lifeway, you know, at a place where professionally I was in as good a spot as I had been in my life. And, you know, at this point with all the struggles of the economy and lifeway struggles, it, it seems different. But at the time I did, it looked like an upward trajectory and I just wasn't content and not in a, I want more, but just in a, I don't think this is the right place for me for the next two or three or four years. Yeah. And I had no idea what was next until the pastors at our at Emmanuel came and said, we really think you should consider pastoral ministry. And I was like, that's nope, that's insane. I don't think I should at all. Yeah. But then I couldn't shake it. And I started praying about it and I knew they were praying about it. And so that would have been fall of 18, I guess, that they came in with that. And then, so yeah, early in 2019, I came back to them and said, I, I think you're right. And I don't know what that means. They just sort of laid out a process of you know, beginning to prepare and then coming on staff in a, in a ministerial director role, but not, not ordained pastor. And then, and then moving that way. And, and at every step, it has remained very alien and very much, this is, it's clear that this is the thing that God had for me. And it's uh, to close out a decade. It's crazy. Just from where, from where I was in 2010 to what 2020 has held feels kind of indescribably different and unpredictable. Yeah. It's crazy what can happen. It, 10 years feels, it feels so long in one sense, but then yeah. looking back on 10 years, you go, wow, it was just like, it was just a minute ago that it was 2010 yeah. and it was like this. I've seen a handful of times where professional football players who have done their career and done their thing and they've been amazing and very well known in their sport have, you know, had spoken out and said, you know, this is my son's journey. You know, I think I just saw some of Emmett Smith, his son signing a football scholarship and, you know, that being really like, this is my son's journey. Is there any part of you having a very well-known dad as a pastor? Is there any struggle for you of like, I want to be, do you struggle with, I want to be Barnabas and I don't want anyone to think I'm anything else? Or has that been pretty clear for you for your whole lifetime? It was a lot more of a struggle when I was younger. Um, just the, like the resentment of bearing the last name that carried expectations with it. So trying to kind of see rebelliously stiff arm myself from it. Uh-huh. And as I've gotten older and I hope grown in maturity, I'd, I'd like to think I have, that's a, there's a lot less, there's, there's not resentment anymore. There's just a clear comfort level with, that's my dad. 
and he is who he is. And I'm not very much like him in a lot of ways, but I'm growing in appreciation for the ways I am like him, but also I'll never be him. And I'm great with that. I have no desire to do what he has done or be who he is. Uh, and if I tried, I would suck at it, be so bad at it. And so that's a place. And I think that's, that's something that has put me in a position probably to be able to move into ministry because it's doing it according to God's leading. And then what do I need to grow in as me, as my own character, my own skill set, my own, you know, my own ministry preparation, instead of being measured by him, even in my own mind. And I just don't do any of the things that he does well. (laughs) I'm just not wired the same way. And, and that's, I feel at ease with that now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think 10 years ago, if I had tried to move into ministry, I would have felt a lot more like I needed to try to to emulate him. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a disaster for all parties involved. For all parties involved. Yeah, everybody. Everybody would have suffered. God's like, I'm going to give you a couple more years, Barnabas, to kind of get yourself together. And then I'm going to push you into what I want you to go to. <laughs> yeah. And in a very unexpected way, like I said, which which also feels affirming to me because I I make a lot of mistakes when I force my way. And so when it's clear that I didn't generate this thing at all, I feel a much more sense of peace about it. Cause I'm like, well, if God wants this, it's, this is the right thing. So here we go. It's so true. When you're not like trying to push all the puzzle pieces together and you're going, I would have never seen this coming is when you can go, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to be here for the ride. I'm going to follow you and whatever you have for me to do. I know you have two daughters and getting married when this comes out in two weeks, are you... I was going to say like anxious, but I don't think anxious is the right word. Like, and to ask if you're excited, that seems like a dumb question. What are you thinking about looking forward into marriage? What is the thing that you go, oh man, man, this, I am so excited about this. Well, let me take a minute to, to brag on, on Lauren, who I get to marry. She counterbalances me in so many great ways in terms of like, I'm, I'm impulsive and she's, thoughtful. Like she takes her time and really thinks through things. And I tend to just jump into things and it's sort of, it's sort of ready, shoot, aim. And she will make sure that everything is is locked and loaded and good to go. She's, you know, kind and patient. And I ready again with the ready, shoot, aim, both with my, my impatience and, (laughs) and sharp tongue. And, but then we have similarities in terms of sense of humor and enjoyment of different parts of life. And she's amazing with my daughters just has done a remarkable job of figuring out how to make them feel at ease. It's a weird thing to, yeah. so she, she's, she doesn't have any kids never been married. And so to build a relationship with somebody else's kids on the road to marrying mm-hmm. him is it's a weird, hard thing. And she has just, handled it with so much grace and made them feel like themselves and at ease. And like, they don't have to, you know, be different around her or any of those, any of those pressures. So all of that creates a context where it's just obvious that my life's about to get a lot better. And I'm, you know, God's been gracious to me in in amazing ways and life has been good, but it's going to get a lot better. And then just practically speaking, we live on opposite ends of town. There's about an hour between us. And so every week is just an exercise in planning who's driving where, when. You're like, I'm over this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So done. So to be done with that and like go home to the same place when we're done going out to dinner, I guess we can do that again. I don't know if we're allowed or not or going to church or just anywhere is just that piece of it. That's just, it's one of those little things. It's just, that's a, that's a sigh of relief. Yeah. 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 That I feel like I'd very inadequately described 
what is going to be great. Well, congratulations. I'm excited for you and for your daughters and for Lauren, for what's ahead for you guys. You know, the craziest question, you know, we've heard a lot about what's happened in the last 10 years of your life and what you've had to walk through and God dismantling and rebuilding and really believing and trusting God's identity on your life and calling you into this leadership role as a pastor. And, you know, we mentioned you have a book coming out in October. So, you know, the weirdest question to ask people is what do you hope for in the next 10 years? Because I just think, I saw a meme the other day that was like, everyone who had to answer the question, where do you think you'll be in five years? Like failed the test. Like life is just crazy. Like who knows what's happening? But in all honesty, what do you look forward to? I know you're about to build a new life with your wife. And so what do you look forward to in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think the last 10 years have been an exercise and I don't know what next year holds. Everything has been unpredictable. And in in some sense, it still is. Like if we've learned anything from 2020, Mm -hmm. it's just... Yeah. Who knows what's happening? Who knows? Right. But uh, it does feel like God has put two things in my life that are a calling, that are and an opportunity. That and there's no end date on them. And so I, you know, just looking ahead and going, I'm about to step into to two things that could easily last ten years plus. Well, the marriage, let's hope it's a lot longer than ten yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Ministry, I don't have any idea, but it's the first occupation I've had in my life where I look at it and go, I. I could do this indefinitely. Yeah. And that's it. It's a really weird, good place to be looking ahead and going, I have these two things that I get to dedicate my life to along with being a parent that are going to take my next 10 years. And I don't know what they'll hold, but it's a real clear trajectory. So it's a lot of optimism in God's goodness in that, because it's so clear that he's orchestrated these things. And so I just get to, I just get to walk into it and, you know, try to remain faithful. And, so it's it's a real sense of optimism towards the next 10 years, which is very different than the last 10 where there was say, just, it, everything felt like a fog constantly. Yeah. You know, I knew God's faithfulness was always there, but I didn't know where it was taking me. And now I look at it and I go, he's, I know at least a couple things that he's, that he's taking me into. And that's, that's pretty exciting. Feels good for you. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a super mom and super mom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Tell us about your book that comes out in October. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Hoping for Happiness. It's trying to look at a realistic biblical expectation for happiness in this life. So given the circumstances around us, given the unevenness of life, but then also given our propensity to perpetually chase happiness in everything. So just the next experience, the next mm-hmm. pleasure, the next everything. What's realistic? What can we really hope for in this life? And so I lean heavily on Ecclesiastes and that, you know, what, what does it have to say? But then also look 
deeply into the promises of God. And my hope is that it gives people a sense of just sort of to be able to take a deep breath. So if life sucks, you can take a deep breath. But if you're sort of manically pursuing happiness, you can take a deep breath and, you know, take your foot off the gas. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And find that, that other way towards a, a lasting, meaningful sense of happiness. Well, I told you earlier, I'm in, I'm in the early stages of reading it and I'm excited for it. And I think it's a, a really relevant, which is what we want to be as authors, relevant. It's a really relevant right. conversation. And from listening to you for the past, you know, 30 minutes, talk about your last 10 years, I feel like you have a unique perspective on what that even feels like in all different stages of life to be hoping for happiness. So thanks for writing it. I'm excited to read it, to finish it. Thank you. Yay, yay. <laughs> Barris, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for chatting with me. And thanks for helping us have a conversation that can sometimes be a little bit intimidating and awkward for people in the church around divorce. And I think that you have said some profound things about caring for people more than caring for what led to this specific, you know, breakup uh, per se. And um, I think that's something that people will remember forever. So thank you for that. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on with you. I've really enjoyed it. And everyone go listen to the happy rant. And sometimes (laughs) you don't know what they're talking about. And it is just a rant. But it's like you can't stop listening because I just want to come back and see what you guys have to say the next week. It's kind of funny. See what what might get us fired. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, how are they doing this? I'm going to actually just send you things that I want you to talk about that I can't publicly talk about. But apparently you have some in that you can just say things and (laughs) you don't even care about the principal's office. I'm still really scared of the principal's office. So I'll let you take take it for me. So there's that. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, send them them our way. Yeah, thank (laughs) you. Friends, thank you for listening to The Happy Hour. Your last decade with Barnabas Piper today. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. We'd love it if you enjoyed the show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast, and we thank you for that. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom, and supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's next level supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Zero dollar copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.